Deconstruct with Clark and Alyssa. So I have to ask, um, do you have any Hogwarts scarves that you can wear this time of year? Maybe maybe it's a little too early for scarves, but you know, fall's coming out, it gets a bit windy. You're just going to make me feel sad that I'm not a Ravenclaw. I have a Ravenclaw scarf. <laughs> oh no. Oh, I didn't know, Alyssa. I have a Ravenclaw scarf. <laughs> Oh man, we'll have I've to get been, you. I've been thinking about this. I'm like, can I wear the scarf anymore? And I don't know. I have an identity crisis. Oh no, I didn't even know what I was asking. Um, it was a gift from a friend, and it was wonderful. Well, you and should wear still, it for that then. You know, it wear it to commemorate that friendship and that time in your life when you were so naive as to think you were a Ravenclaw. <laughs> you know, back when you really hadn't been tested thoroughly under the new algorithms the I'm... logic is not sound i'm just saying <laughs> well I... we'll just have to get you a, a nice gryffindor scarf would you wear that maybe hmm. <laughs> i have a green coat red and gold would have to really be the right red and gold yeah. to agree with said bright green coat yeah blue and gray they go perfectly oh it's sad just it's just Anyway. Cool story, bro. <laughs> cool story. <laughs> so with the winding down of summer for us, it's also the winding down of summer for Harry Potter. Uh, and he's been cooped up in his room with barred windows and a freaking out owl all this time until Mr. Weasley arrives. Sorry, Ron Weasley. Mr. Weasley's his father. We meet him later <laughs> in the chapter. <clears throat> yeah, so today we're, we're, list- we're talking about chapters three and four of Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Are you excited? <laughs> I'm so I'm so glad that this book gets into the magic a lot sooner. Yeah, a lot sooner. It's it's really nice. I I was I couldn't remember how much time was between starting it and going to the burrow, and I just love the burrow. I love it so much. The burrow's way cool, and like the flying car, it's cool. I think when I if I was like a kid, I'd be a little bit more swept up with that. But for now, I'm like, okay, yeah, that of course there's a flying car, and that pulls the window or the bars out, and he gets out. Like, I, I guess I wasn't super. I just didn't get lost in that fantasy uh, of the flying car. Like in my mind, that whole scene it was fun to see the dynamic between the twins running around, and especially didn't, the twins had to run into the house and grab Harry's stuff too, mm-hmm. which was like. The fact that nobody got caught is crazy it's to absurd. me. Absurd, yeah. So uh, anyway, uh, we should probably uh, do a synopsis of the. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We want to do that first. Yeah, let's tell them what we're actually talking about. Yeah. So chapter <laughs> three um, is called the Burrow, and a short. This is like a really short synopsis of the mm-hmm. Weasleys rescue Harry in a flying car and take him to the Burrow. So maybe I didn't even need to say that because we already said that. But, um, <laughs> no harm. But yeah, the the Weasley twins run down and like go pick the lock on the cupboard under the stairs mm-hmm. and then like haul Harry's trunk up the stairs, which sounds really heavy and they're having a really hard time with it. And, and the whole time I'm thinking Harry could hear the Dursleys they're, they're knives on the rattling. plates, yeah, but the Dursleys could not hear a car like rev its engine and rip the bars out. Yeah, it's really far-fetched. Like, it took Hedwig freaking out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I do like, though, at the beginning when Hedwig, it says that like Hedwig kind of understood yeah. the, the importance of this moment and it was, was quiet. She's a smart bird. She's a very smart bird. Uh, 
I almost anticipated lightning out of excitement, but I remembered that's not going to happen for a while. Uh, <laughs> at least book four. At least book at four. Least. Uh, though I thought it was an interesting time for um, Joanne to remember that uh, two young adults, I guess you could call the, the twins, um, might struggle carrying something heavy upstairs, mm-hmm. which is weird because she completely forgot about that with the dragon. You know, like the house-sized dragon <laughs> could barely fit into a house dragon. Do you think that they must have Wingardia Leviosa that that dragon in a box? Yes, <laughs> like, I, I. Because they knew something the the, the twins we- didn't. The Weasley twins were were adhering to the law. Mm-hmm, they were mm-hmm. not doing any magic. And I was I was really impressed by all of the Muggle skills that they knew. Yeah, lock picking. Driving a car? Oh, Like, yeah. a flying car? Yes. But, like, did, did you get hung up at all on how on earth they, like, gain elevation and lose elevation? Because I'm, like, steering wheels do not work the same way as Yeah, I mean, that's airplane. just, like, uh, apply large amounts of hand wavium to your head cannon, and it, it works. Uh, so I, I bought that. <laughs> oh, God. So they get back to the borough, <clears throat> which is the name of the Weasley household. And that place is crazy. Uh, it it's, so it's funny. Um, you mentioned that it reminds me, or it reminded you a lot of uh, this house that you lived in for a while, and then I lived in for a few months when you weren't there. I forgot you lived there, there, too. Yeah, I lived there, too. <laughs> <laughs> it was, you were gone. Yeah. <clears throat> but it's this house called Minas Tirith. I, yes, we are that nerdy. <laughs> yes. I don't know who named it or why. I did. You did? Oh. It was so here's here's the story with that. Okay. Um so we had a roommate who was really anti Harry Potter, was really uncomfortable with it. She would get bad nightmares and is had bad to, nightmares yeah, from Harry Potter. Had to do with like an early viewing of the movies and it affected her and and then like religious wow. okay. constraints and stuff. Sure. So um but we had a cupboard under the stairs and everyone who came in to visit noticed it and said, you have a Harry Potter cupboard. You have a Harry <laughs> Potter cupboard. And then they all wanted to name it the burrow. And oh. like all of these strangers and all of these friends and all of these people in our lives are telling us, you have to name your house the burrow. And just knowing that one of our four roommates was not yeah, going to be yeah. okay with that. She was not going to be okay with living in the burrow. It was like, yeah, that, yeah, yes, there are many similarities of our house that started as a tiny little house that then grew like a living room and then a kitchen and then a stairway down to the basement and then a second story and then a front porch and like all these things were late add-ons. It's not that it grew a living room, it's that it grew another living room. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Although we, we kept one, like we made one a living room that was not a living room. It was like a weird storage area before, but anyway, um... All all that said, we wanted to name it something, and everyone was telling us it should be the borough, and because of one of our roommates, that wasn't going to be a good fit for our community. And so we went instead, because it was white and sort of mm-hmm. seemed like a city on the hill and tall, it was Minas Tirith. Hmm. And that was, uh, that was the borough of our college town. Yeah. <laughs> Minas Tirith was the borough of our college town. It was. Because that place was so, yeah, just tacked together. Um, I mean, it it wasn't like dangerous or anything, but there were definitely <laughs> some weird parts where it's like you could kind of climb into different 
areas like that part above the porch and stuff like that you could crawl around in places you probably shouldn't have been able to climb around in yeah it it was it was probably not safe in a lot of ways but it was delightful and it totally like it makes me love the burrow even more yeah yeah that sort of haphazard the house that grows to be whatever it really needs to be mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it's cool because harry liked that too and it mentions in a few spots where like harry just loved the fact that the house was so alive and that it, you know so many things were happening and this and the clock was funny and the mirror talked back to him and uh it was just such just night and day difference between the dursley's house and and ron's so self-conscious about it yeah it's adorable it's like oh honey you have a lovely home you really do you have a home that is full of love full of love full of memories and full of people who respect each other and Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. that is something that is so foreign to harry then he's just like this is this is fantastic i love this place I, i forget what it is there's a line in the movie that i thought Totally. And I know what happens at this time in the movie, but mm-hmm, it was mm-hmm. not in the book. And I think it's like, I think it's brilliant or whatever. And that's not what is said. Instead, it's like, it's fantastic or something. It's just equally nondescript. But I guess as a slight side note, I, I have yet to hear Ron say wicked in the books. It hasn't happened yet. It happens a lot in the movies. It happens a lot in the movies. Hmm. He does say bloody in the books, doesn't he? I don't know. I I don't it's remember a kid's now. Book. I don't know if they can do that. He says it a lot in the movie, hmm. and I think um, yeah, Harry, yeah, Harry says this is the best house I've ever been in. So yeah, instead in the movie, it's like I think it's brilliant or something, and it's it's a little less uh, overwrought actually in the movie. But um, yeah, I just like that it made Ron just kind of like mm, his ears are ready, red ears. <laughs> So in this chapter, we're introduced to a lot. Um, we're introduced to a lot of Ron's family in like a way that we've never really seen before, like his mom and his dad and and little Ginny. Uh, I think that's it. Uh, but Percy's in there, but he is like weirdly in his own little corner. And yeah, I wonder what they're setting up with Percy. Yeah, that's what I wanted to ask you. What do you? What's your read on Percy now? Because the last time we really saw Percy was. Mm-hmm. Percy was in his element. (laughs) Percy was in his element. (laughs) Follow me, please. Follow me. Follow me. Uh, (laughs) First year is this way. Follow me. Uh, Yes. Percy, I think... Okay, so there's a few options. One, uh, he has been taken by Lord Voldemort, and he is growing another head out of the back of his head, and uh, he has to kind of stay away so people don't smell it. So that's an option. Two, he's making a really fire mixtape like fire mixtape (laughs) (laughs) like he's gonna drop that and they're gonna have to cast so many fire put your outer spells because of how good this mixtape is um or i don't know besides that i want to say he's up to no good because he's a weasley and anytime they really spend that much time on something it's probably i mean it's you know, it's not meant to harm anybody, but it's also kind of meant for your own entertainment or for your own glory, especially someone like him who is a glory chaser. He like, uh, there's a line in this chapter where he's where, I think it's Ron who says, you know, Percy wants to be minister of magic someday. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, Percy totally could have been a Slytherin. 
Yeah, totally. Like, I completely agree. He's got all of those qualities. Yeah. And, uh, and, and that's another weird thing, too, where it's like, why did every person in this family end up as a Gryffindor? That makes no sense to me. But <clears throat> that's okay. <laughs> but, I, I could see it, it running in families. I mean, you, you raise your kids and they are images of you in a lot of ways. And either they're very much images of you or they're mm-hmm. a harsh left turn. <laughs> like Yeah, that's true. I mean, Malfoy's a Slytherin and probably his whole family is Slytherins. Except for that one black sheep Hufflepuff. <laughs> I hate that guy apart. Gosh. Ugh. At least he's not an accountant. I mean. Ugh, gross. Let's see. So they get to the burrow and they're like making their plan like, okay, we're going to creep upstairs and we're going to come down and it's going to be like, oh man, like had the best night. Look who turned up in the middle of the night. Well, oh my gosh. Uh, and Mrs. Weasley totally would not have suspected anything. No, no. At all. She wouldn't have had a, any kind of hunch. No. Um, but she meets them there and the experience that the the scene that follows is reminded me so much of my childhood of that mm-hmm. awkward experience of when you and your friends get in trouble at your friend's house yeah and your parent and their parents scold your friend but like you're, and you're scot just free there. you're there like you're also kind of in trouble but like they're not blaming you. They're not disciplining you. They're not none of that. Like yeah. I had many times like that growing up, where my friends have. and I got into shenanigans, and we got caught over there, not at my place. <laughs> yes, so uncomfortable. It's, I can feel the awkwardness. Just, but they're used to hearing that, though. Is the thing like it's the Weasleys? They're so used to getting chewed out. Though it sounds like this was an extra, like extraordinary. Well, I, I doubt they've ever stayed out all night. All night with the car, yeah, and like, no note or anything. Like, all that's night not good. and like the brooms are missing or something. You're, she's sitting here thinking that clean sweep can go maybe a mile. Like they're yeah, not that yeah. far. It's <laughs> that far. They probably crashed like five miles away, limping back, bloody. But a flying car that. Yeah what is confiscated by Arthur Weasley and potentially really dangerous. Like, yeah, that's, that's breaking a lot of mom rules right there. Yeah. It's Poor I, Molly Weasley. I mean, it's the difference between just staying out all night and not answering your phone and taking your parents car <laughs> and then not answering the phone. It's a bad deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she gives them a good chewing out and she does it while she's serving breakfast. And it's so funny because she she even she gives harry like eight or nine sausages i read that and i'm like man that's a lot of sausages even if it's the little ones but she was just so like distracted she's just Mm -hmm. like oh harry like i know this is awkward so i'm just gonna keep shoving food at you i think it's it's so she's distracted but she's also like reading in like i've heard harry's not not fed well he probably is like paper thin at this point at this point yeah and because they were starving him they yeah. really were starving there, him. it was really there he should not be in their care no <laughs> like nope. if, if a social worker knew about that he would be removed so fast um but so she probably took one look at him and went this boy needs food and he needs food stat and that when we see that in the next <laughs> chapter two of she's just constantly loading up his plate with fourth and fifth servings yeah yeah um 
so I think it's that too. I think it's I'm I'm scolding my kids, and I think it's interesting. What I thought was interesting was that she doesn't let them go up to bed. She tells them you're going to like denome the garden first, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but she does feed them before. So it's like it's an in between of the like really harsh treatment of like no punishment right now. Go yeah, do it. Yeah. It's like I understand that like you just drove eight hours probably. And, and you did something actually pretty noble. And, like, there there was some good that happened here. Mm-hmm. It could have happened better and more responsibly under parental control. Yeah. Um, but there was there was some good work that happened here, and these kids need food. Yeah. She's a good mom. Yeah. Spe- speaking of, um, it could have happened more responsibly. So Mrs. <laughs> Weasley uh-huh. uh, makes the reference that, like, we were going to go get get him if we hadn't heard from him another day or like another time. There's a line in there oh, of really? like if we hadn't heard by this point, we were going to go get you. I actually missed that. Um, I don't remember where it was, but hmm. um, she she makes a point of like if this happened. I think it was by the time the Hogwarts letters came hmm. or something. She's like we we'd set a deadline, and if we didn't hear from you by then, we were, we were going to go to the door to the Dursleys ourselves and come get you. Hmm. And I want you to, like, tell me what, what you think that would have looked like. <laughs> the Weasleys going to visit the Dursleys. Well, for one, I think that Mrs. Weasley is incredibly protective of her own. Mm-hmm. And there are no restrictions on them using magic. Really. Like, it's just the students outside of school. So I think it would essentially be like the Hagrid encounter of the first book, where they were just, like, terrified and, uh, and they just kind of let him, let them take Harry away. That was a bottle opener from my other podcast. <laughs> uh, fell on the floor there, sorry. Uh, I think she just would have kind of given them a stern talking to, but kind of felt it. She'd have been like, hi, I'm here to talk to Harry. And they're like, who are you? And she'd be like, excuse me. Um, you're going to bring Harry out right now or we're going to have a problem here. Like, I think she would have mama bared up the situation. I think she would have done it very, like, politely and she would have, like, done it in, like, a super, um, nothing like Hagrid in the actual sense of, like, being threatening, but just very much like, okay, look, Harry's coming with me. And if you have a problem with that then why do you have a problem with that what's wrong with harry why can't he come out to see me you know i think i think it would have i think that she is so polite and she's so kind mm-hmm. that she wouldn't have even had to have threatened them she just would have been so like nonchalant about things and like oh hello harry's family and oh like i know hmm. she eyed the dursleys a little bit on the platform at the end of the last book yeah yeah and was a little concerned about it um, but she very much would have, I, I think she would have gone in and been very open and welcoming, but also invited herself into the house yeah, and yeah. like made herself a home a little bit and like, oh, I brought you some tea from this place or like would have brought like a hostess gift or something for hmm. Aunt Petunia. I, that's what I picture. And then I'm sure the Dursleys would be very adamant about no, 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 no. And then she, yes, Mama Bear. Mama yeah, Bear comes yeah. out of the cage. But <laughs> or she could have been like super passive aggressive and just like, hey, yes, like let's have tea and just like float the teapot over and she'd be like, oh yeah, I'm a witch, I yeah, look at that, <laughs> look at that, I can just do things, <laughs> unspeakable. Imagine things. if you will. <laughs> so that is interesting. Things. 
terrible. So um, I, I was wondering too, I guess since we're going to go. And I just, I think oh. Mr. Weasley totally would have just been smitten about everything in their house. And they would have been so overwhelmed by all of the like the wide eyes that he would have. And he would be like yeah, yeah. fingering everything, everything and touching everything. And Mr. Dursley would be like ripping his mustache out and... <laughs> <laughs> I feel like uh, Ron's dad would just have like his head in the refrigerator and be like, "What? Like, what how? Is how did they? They they're managing to make cold air, but how? <laughs> Electric mixer? How? Like, <laughs> huh? That is a funny thing to imagine. I, I wonder if there's a well. What a, what am I talking about? Of course, somebody wrote fanfic about that. <laughs> I was about to say what if, but this no, is the somebody... largest fanfic community in the world yeah yeah um i was wondering so in their house uh the clock is different and mm -hmm. it says things like time to feed the chickens or you're late which is mine would perpetually be stuck on your late (laughs) yeah yeah what else would be on there that it 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 may never get there but what else would be on there on my clock Mm -hmm. um let's see let's see Time to take a shower, probably, because mm-hmm. that's like, oh, oh, that before work. If I don't do it now, there's no, there's no <laughs> turning back. Uh. Um, and let's see, probably like uh, time to mow the lawn. Okay, okay, and that just pop up every couple weeks. Yeah, well, it, yeah, I, I don't know if it's like based on what my decision of when it's time to be- <laughs> mow the lawn versus like my landlord's decision. <laughs> I think it's a little column A, a little column B. Because he believes in every week, and I don't believe in every week. Uh, that is such a baby boomer mindset. I know. I'm like, <laughs> mm, I don't got time for that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that. Definitely time to take the recycling out, hmm. Hmm. which it would just be stuck on that always because i never do it it's just between your late and recycling <laughs> and it's like you're late to put recycling out. like you know what you did <laughs> like, hmm. yeah those would, those would be basically a lot of things that i'm late on which is why you're late is a big one hmm. i see i see so so if there was a minute hand it would just go to the things that you're late to while the hour hand just stayed on that you're late yeah gotcha, i don't know gotcha. I, I don't know how it would go back and forth hmm I think I would probably have, like, um, take a nap. And that would be on there, like, three times. <laughs> and then, like, there would probably be one that's like, when you go to the store, don't buy gummy worms. Like, <laughs> time like, not to buy gummy worms. Yeah, time not to buy gummy worms. I'd be like, <laughs> ah, darn it. I really want gummy worms. Or maybe you have a time to buy gummy worms and you're just waiting. Oh, that's <laughs> right. I'd be watching the clock. And I'm like, oh, is it gummy worm time? Is it time? Yeah. Is it time? I, yeah. <sighs> One of those days so I come home gummy worm and it's, time. <laughs> uh, right? If I had it my way, it'd be gummy worm time a lot. <laughs> it's gummy worm o'clock. <laughs> if we had fun, uh, if, if we had like alt episode titles, that would definitely be one. Gummy worm, gummy worm o'clock? Gummy worm o'clock. Uh, oh, stuff. man. So, uh, do you know me in the garden? Do you have much to say about that? I don't have much except for... Um, I, I kind of love that, yes, they're being punished. Yes, they don't like it very much. But it does become a game. And it's like, yeah, I, think, yeah. I think that's another thing, that uh, another scene that's indicative of what life at the borough is like, where 
they spend a lot of time together as family and they love it and they love their home and there's quality time even when the love of the work isn't hmm. there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I, I liked that. I liked that they enjoyed it and it became a game. Yeah, because it's something that needs to be done. And it's like, sure, it's a punishment, but it's also just one of their normal chores. Like the fact that it was a punishment is just like the fact that they had to do it at a time that was not the time they wanted to do it. It's very Mary Poppins. Yeah. It's or or Snow White was a lot of work. Like Yeah, yeah. And they had a lot of fun with it and <laughs> those, those little gnomes are hilarious. Just shrieking little evil ugly Pikmin. They it's great. Seemed like terrible little weird creatures and but like I love how they get dizzy and they just like go in the next nearest hole. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, this seems right. Yeah. <laughs> like that reminds me so much of work though, where it's like there there are times I'm a I'm a beekeeper. I don't know. I've probably mentioned that before. Uh but sometimes like earlier on in the season when we're still like figuring out the queen situation for a lot of hives sometimes like we'll take a hive that just doesn't have a queen and we'll just take a couple frames of bees out of one hive and we'll just kind of shake it into a different hive and we'll be like this is your home now (laughs) (laughs) and the bees will be like what we're like yep figure it out there's a queen in there go go talk to her get your orders and uh they kind of work it out you have to do it in a specific way. I mean, that's 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 simplifying it quite a bit. It's you gotta spin the gnome hard enough yeah, in the yeah, right yeah. direction, and but it's really funny. Like we blow smoke in their faces, we tear apart their home, we knock them into this different place, and then they're just like, oh, "Where am I?" And the queen's just like, "Hey, go get some go get some nectar." And they're like, "Oh, okay, I don't recognize you, but okay," and they just go do it, and it's hilarious absolutely hilarious except for the problem with the gnomes is mr weasley's too nice to him he's way too nice to him you can't sympathize with the gnome they are not your friends they're not i would probably pick one or two that were my buddies probably just one Mm, that's a dangerous line to tread friend i know because you know what they say you you give a gnome a a cookie give a gnome a nummy yeah you give a gnome a nummy and it's gonna bring its five friends with it i can't believe i just said that phrase (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i'm so disappointed in myself (laughs) it's gonna be so hard to pick between gummy worm o'clock and and (laughs) give a gnome a nummy nummy. uh good stuff oh lordy okay so yeah gnomes uh they're like pikmin um in that you just pluck them and you throw them around and they're just fine with that i wonder what it takes to kill one is that is that weird we've got like because if you can throw them 50 feet and like they have enough weight that they fly 50 feet which means they have a decent amount of weight for a relatively small frame which means that when they hit the ground they hit it with like a pretty decent amount of force like wow i I wonder if they're just like really good at taking blunt hits or like if you could just slice them and they'd be fine garden shears it's getting very gory i'm sitting here imagining perhaps they're immortal but oh man that'd be a real problem (laughs) but (laughs) they have lethal allergies (laughs) to like a very common plant that they also don't realize that they're allergic to and they eat it and then they die. Whoa, what? Where does it say that? <laughs> I 
I'm just making up something other than oh, like, okay, like, some other like, like I don't know, maybe they're like completely like knock them around, but like all that. And the I was trying to think, like, well, maybe they can't swim, and so every time it rains, they drown in their holes. Oh, could be. Or like, <laughs> could be. But the, oh, and then I was like, well, maybe maybe they're allergic to bees, and then bees sting them, and then they die. Hmm. I was like, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Yeah. Bees versus gnomes. You're on team B. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely on team B. <laughs> Beyonce, bumblebees, honeybees. Uh, yeah, definitely team B. I love how two of those were bugs and one is beyonce you can't say team b without beyonce coming to mind <laughs> well maybe you can but <laughs> i mean i was there but i just love that you didn't come up with a third random <laughs> like two b's and beyonce <laughs> mm-hmm. so, so um one other question that i had for you was mm-hmm. so, so we get to uh mr weasley and he comes home and he's all a twitter about work and oh, his job yeah. is at the misuse of magic office is that right Uh, yeah something like that um and he's like all about oh i found this in this place and this in this place and all of these muggle artifacts that have been bewitched and then like and landed in muggle hands which things go really terrible really awful so my question for you is if you could bewitch any muggle artifact what would you bewitch and what would you make it do (laughs) <laughs> any muggle artifact like anything any... you can make a car fly <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can make a stoplight always be green oh that'd be nice whenever you come by <laughs> like, i mean like who doesn't want a flying car or like a working jet pack uh i hmm. personally i think i would be very happy with a mug that keeps my tea the perfect temperature it doesn't oh, get nice. too darn hot, yeah. and it doesn't get too cold, and it doesn't matter how long it takes me to drink it, and when it's empty, it doesn't burn anything. Yeah, I, I want... want a magic mug. <laughs> yeah, that sounds great. I'm, I'm going to roll with that. That sounds great, because I want like a, like a good travel mug, but I don't want the whole lid thing is a deal breaker, because it's like, oh, you can get nice Contigo mugs, and you, you know, they're spill-proof and stuff. No, I want, I want a mug that only allows me to drink out of it. Mm. so it's just like this tall thing it can fit in any cup holder it doesn't matter you can throw it around whatever that stuff's not coming out and not only is it at the perfect temperature hot or cold but it can't spill because it only works when it's like my or when i want it to come out like i can just pour it out if i want to but for the most part it's just set to work you know when i'm drinking it so it's like spill proof break proof right temperature everything self-cleaning yeah yeah, I'm going to steal that. I'm that seeing so many opportunities for your mug to get glitchy. <laughs> like, <laughs> like you're going to be driving and then you're going to think to yourself, oh, I really want to have a sip of my coffee, but it's still over in the container. And, and suddenly, just... like, like the hot liquid just, like, shoots at your face <laughs> and you're driving yeah, and yeah. you didn't bewitch that street light to that, that traffic light to stay green. And so, so there's the a red, red light. Yeah. yeah. And it's not good. And then you die because someone else hits you because you ran a red light. Because you well, couldn't see. You can't win them all. <laughs> My life up until that moment would have been awesome. <laughs> so hashtag worth it. <laughs> Speaking of hashtags, uh, if someone wants to let us know what their clocks would say or what they would be witch or anything like that, where would they do that? Oh, uh, well, you could totally tweet at us at WordstruckPod or at me at Alyssa Small or at Clark at Clark Hodges. Mm-hmm, that's me. Or on Facebook. We're on Facebook. Ooh, we have a page. Like us, please. 
because we tell you when we do stuff on it. That's yeah. all we do on Facebook, but it's worth it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so. So, yeah. So uh, that's it for what I had for this chapter. Favorite quotes. So, favorite quotes. What's your favorite quote, Clark? Favorite quote. Uh, let's see. I wrote it down. 37. Is that the right chapter? Yes. <clears throat> yeah. So uh, this is talking about garden gnomes and how Harry tried to be nice to one. So <clears throat> I mostly like just the transition, but I also just like the play on words. So it's uh, page 37. It says, Harry learned quickly not to feel too sorry for the gnomes. He decided to just drop the first one he caught over the hedge, but the gnome, sensing weakness, sank its razor-sharp teeth into Harry's finger, and he had a hard job shaking it off until, wow, Harry, that must have been 50 feet. <laughs> So I love, first of all, the gnome senses weakness <laughs> and takes that moment to bite him. Like, come on. Like, these gnomes are jerks. Total jerks. Like, it makes They're it terrible where, neighbors. Terrible neighbors. Which makes it where it's like, if you try to be nice to them and they bite you, all bets are off. You're getting thrown, son. Like, there's nothing. Like, I'd be the exact same as Harry, where it's like, I try to play nice and you bit me. So I'm going to throw you as far as I can every single time. The war is on. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. So I just like that transition between Harry, like this nice little moment of him just kind of like lowering it over the bush. And then all of a sudden it's just flying 50 feet. (laughs) I love that. I love that. Uh, What's your favorite quote? Uh, mine's just the page earlier, page 36, mm-hmm. um, and Mrs. Weasley is telling them, no, you're going to denome the garden. That's what you're going to do before you do anything else. Mm-hmm. And then she decides she's going to consult Gilderoy Lockhart's book, mm-hmm. and Fred's sitting there saying, oh, man, we don't, we know how to denome a garden, Mom. You don't need to check with the book. Mm-hmm. And Mrs. Weasley turns around and says, all right. If you think you know better than Lockhart, you can go and get on with it. And woe betide you if there's a single gnome in the garden when I come out to inspect it. And I was like, oh, crap. Woe betide you. Like, who thinks those words? Like, that was... She, she like, reached deep for the motherly yeah, rage yeah. there of, like, if you're going to sass me, you better do it right. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, Woe betide. That's usually, like, I, I could see maybe, like, a street preacher holding that up on a sign. Yes. Woe betide. Yes. <laughs> That's good. It was just, like, that escalated really quickly. <laughs> like, hmm. So I love that. I love that. And, that, and that's actually a pretty good transition into chapter four, Ad Flourish and Blots. Uh, want to tell us a little bit about what happens in there? Yeah. Uh, Harry and the Weasleys go to Diagon Alley via flu powder. Flu powder. And Harry ends up in Nocturne Alley, which was not good. Mm-hmm. And the crew meets Lockhart. So uh, do, do you get it? Nocturne Alley. No, nocturnally. Nocturne. <laughs> you get it? <laughs> Did you get Diagon Alley? Wait, what? What do you? What do you? D- yes, d- I did. Diagonally. Mind blown. <laughs> Austin's gonna love that part. You're welcome. Uh, so, <clears throat> so um, at Flourish and Blots, we get our uh, school books, our our, our our letters for school. Oh yeah, in yeah. Here. 
and uh, they sort of make plans to meet her to meet Hermione and her family all in Diagon Alley. Her Muggle family. Her what? Muggle family. Who go to Diagon Alley, which is amazing. Somehow, yeah. I, I love that. Uh, by bus, we learn. Because really? they take the bus home. They talk to oh. Mr. Weasley about how the bus works. Huh. And, and Mrs. Weasley has to pull him away because she's like, don't stop. We <laughs> Leave need to them go. Alone. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so they end up traveling, though, by flu, mm-hmm. which, uh, what, what what do you think about flu travel? The flu network. <sighs> the flu network catching the flu as they say uh it sounds pretty bad it really does like you get kind of dirty for one even though you're not like it kind of takes over the fireplace but you still get ash on you uh it's really easy to mess up especially like if you're tired or if you're not thinking straight or if you're not really sure where you want to go you're doomed man imagine drunken fluing Oh, trunk and flu. You could end up anywhere. <laughs> anywhere. Anywhere. Like, like, yeah. I didn't enunciate well and I ended up in Azerbaijan. <laughs> mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. that's a problem. Yes. Because <laughs> it kind of sounded like Barjan's books. Yeah. <laughs> Just a little bit. Just a little bit. <laughs> no, nah, flu powder is bad. Uh, I, so... I guess before the flu powder, though, we see that um, this Gilderoy Lockhart, he's going to be a character in the book. Like, we heard about him in the last chapter, and they kind of, you know, showed that he's a charming guy with a nice smile, and he has all these books, and he's super successful. And And Mrs. Weasley's clearly smitten with him. Yeah, she's clearly smitten with him. And they even joke, you know, oh, the new professor must be a witch. It must be somebody that really likes Gilderoy Lockhart, mm-hmm. which could only be a witch, because uh, remember, gender normative wizards. We mm-hmm. just we just assume things here. <laughs> it's I'm, I'm joking, but it's yes, the nineties. It's that the nineties. Checks out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we find that this guy he's going to be a major character, and it turns out that he's actually the professor of the class. But we'll get to that. Um, I, I guess what kind of is weird about that is like buying seven or eight of his books you think there would be some kind of weird um what is it called like it, that conflicts with your own best interest or whatever what's what's the term for that when it's like conflict of interest conflict of interest there we go like you think there'd be a conflict of interest of not not one or two of your own books but like six or seven of your own books, which are really expensive. You think at some point they'd be like, you know, you have to pick something else that's not your book. I would bet that Hogwarts is, I mean, it's kind of not really a private school. I mean, it, it, it kind of is, or it's not really a public school. It kind of is, but yeah. I think it's closer to the private school land and professors at private schools can kind of make their own rules. Yeah. And money is probably not a big issue for a lot of the people that go there. For a lot of them, I bet. Um, But, man, I feel bad for the Weasleys. Right? That is a... Like, Uh. the thing that that I think is curious is that there is no, like, used book system for Hogwarts specifically, where they don't have, like, textbooks available when it's, like... We know that this book is going to... Like, you're going to recycle it. You're going to use it. You're going to use it. You're going to use it. Like, a lot of their textbooks from their first year, they keep and they keep using. Mm-hmm. But 
to have seven books by one professor for one class in That's a, a lot yeah in a position that hasn't been able to keep it filled for years and years and years and like, maybe that's why they're just okay with it because they're like you know what you're here like, and you're well known you do you you might not suck you you're... might stick around for two years and he has that celebrity status where it's like he might get more people to go to hogwarts just because their mothers are so smitten and maybe they'll get a chance on the parent teacher night to, to meet him you might get more donors to cough up dollar dollar bills or as the back of the book Gala, suggests Gala Gallians, Gala, Gala, <laughs> you're on fire tonight <laughs> Or like the back of the book suggests, he could be the stuck-up new professor that uh, really causes some problems and starts turning people to stone. Because who who would know to turn how to turn people to stone better than someone who, uh, you know, knows a lot about the dark arts? Who knows? This guy could be the real bad guy. <clears throat> but that's jumping way ahead. Uh, so Diagon Alley, they meet up with Hermione. But first, but first, Harry ends up in Borgen and Burke's in Nocturne oh, Alley. Yes. This part drove me nuts. Well, okay. It drove me nuts. Why? Why? <clears throat> this is the most convenient conversation at the most convenient time this could possibly happen. Like, what are the odds? Moments after Harry comes through the wrong thing and is unnoticed and is standing there, who else but Draco Malfoy and his dad come in and they talk about something that is directly relevant to the characters that we met this chapter. It's very convenient. And the Ministry of Magic. And they talk about it openly. There's no code. There's no any sense. He's like, I want to sell stuff that I think if the Ministry found, I'd be in trouble. But I think that's... <clears throat> I. I suspend my disbelief for that in particular because mm-hmm. I get the sense that Malfoy, Mr. Malfoy goes into Borgen and Burke semi-regularly to either buy or sell and it's yeah. a place that he knows that he can trust a certain distance and probably Mr. Was it Mr. Burke or Mr. Borgen? I don't remember which yeah, one who he was talking to but uh, he probably has some kind of demeanor of we can be relaxed now because we're the only people in here and he didn't see Harry come in. He didn't hear Harry come in because Harry came in unconventionally. (laughs) Very, yeah. He did not come in through the door with a little dinger bell or whatever they have. (laughs) And then he hid. So, like, he he probably thinks that they're alone and so they can be more candid. And then that's just the black marketplace. That's, that's, it's, it's his establishment and he probably sets the tone for how comfortable we can be here yeah yeah and i mean like mr malfoy said their name does carry a little bit of um prestige that kind of keeps them out of that uh but i guess it was annoying that does make sense that they can talk about it like that because you know where else can you talk that candidly about this stuff except (laughs) if it's not at borgen and burks then you can't talk candidly anywhere yeah so that much makes sense it is annoying that he specifically called out um ron's dad i'm never gonna remember his name by the way Ron, ron's dad yeah albert arthur arthur this is gonna be a problem having fun isn't hard (laughs) if you've got a library card arthur (laughs) (laughs) okay that'll help (laughs) 
And I do think with the book rental system, they probably do have some of it at the library too, since you mentioned libraries, but not enough for everybody. So <laughs> still a problem. <laughs> so it, it doesn't annoy me that Draco's dad is specifically like, if it wasn't for that Arthur uh, guy. It, uh. And then Draco has a thing too, where it's like his father is kind of scolding him for his bad grades. And he's like, oh, well, if it weren't for that Hermione Granger. And it's like, what? Like, there are hundreds of people at the school and there are tons of people that that arthur works with and stuff but like it just so happens that you're talking about these people that harry would care about okay so here's i i agree with you partly okay but um arthur weasley like molly mrs weasley Mm -hmm. talks to mr weasley about you wrote that law to have a loophole about the car so he's not just some working stiff in that department he wrote laws and yeah, built in true. loopholes so he could tinker like yeah, yeah so he's yeah. he's in a position of power he might not be the only one in a position of power but he's not a peon either okay and then hermione granger is the best in her class yeah and it you it's really hard to get better grades than hermione yeah like, like she's been studying all summer and how much must that just rankle him that mm-hmm. Hermione Granger, the Muggleborn, mm-hmm. is the top of top of their class over him. His dad gets some zingers in yeah. there, though. And, yeah, and and you're talking about how it's really frustrating that they're talking about this so conveniently. Like, but she does set up that he won't stop talking about how annoyed he is with his Gryffindor counterparts. Yeah, yeah. And when Lucius Malfoy turns and says, "You have said this a million times." shut up <laughs> like yeah that's true so so i think she sets up some of it to be a little bit more believable than what it would have been in the previous book in the previous yeah. book it would have just been exposition <laughs> bot and like overly convenient situations and no explanation for why they're so convenient but this time they're in a black market shop so they're talking about selling black market things mm-hmm. And it's right before school, it and is, they're shopping for school stuff. So he's talking about school and grades. He and, he got his yeah. Hogwarts supply list the same time they did, probably. So it makes mm. sense that they would be in there in that span of time. Okay, okay. I I'll, all right. I'll give it a pass. <laughs> Persuaded. <laughs> Persuaded. That's fine. It just felt so convenient as well. It, but you're right. You're there right. is a touch when of you, convenience in it. But it is written so much better than it would have been last book. It really was. The one thing that makes me feel like it's too convenient is that, like, Diagonally or whatever ended up being <laughs> Nocturnally. Yeah. Like, that, I, I don't really get how it would confuse that, but it would just be a great over. And oh, you mean just phonetically? Phonetically, or however that works, that he would just be a street over. Yeah. And I, I don't know either. Yeah, it, it, that part that, that he landed in that shop that is so close to Diagon Alley, but not Diagon Alley, hmm. has always sort of bothered me. See, that didn't bother me at all. I'm like, eh, it was off by a little bit. He, he said it wrong. Eh. Like, why isn't it some shop in Diagon Alley? Like, he just didn't come in the the main shoot. Or if something. all it takes is a stutter, you better hope there are no uh, wizards with, you know stutters yeah well i think you could probably medically cure that again it's like the uh wheelchair thing that we talked about with hogwarts where like you are out of luck yeah if you go to hogwarts and you're paralyzed 
But then we're like, oh, well, maybe they cure that. <laughs> but if wizards can cure that much stuff, then they're absolutely terrible for not sharing that with the world. So, well, there we go. We haven't quite established yet that they aren't. <laughs> they're oh, that's absolutely fair. terrible. <laughs> we haven't established that. Like they've they've got all these like Arthur Weasley sitting there marveling at how like man all of these ways that Muggles have managed to get by without magic. It's amazing. And it's, it's it, he looks at them like they're zoo animals, almost. Like, yeah, they're fascinating. Yeah. Or like he's watching an ant farm. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, that's look true. Look at them do their thing. It's amazing. <laughs> they're so cute. They think that what they do amounts to something. And he's enthusiastic about it, but yeah. like he has no interest in being like, you know what? Your lives would be a lot easier, and we could totally set up the infrastructure for you, and it wouldn't actually be that hard. We could just do it. And then yeah, just like... Yeah. Like problem of water treatment or recycling or whatever. Pick your pick your poison for whatever. And there, were, I mean, problem it is. If wizards were to incorporate with, I mean, this is a big topic for another day. But I, I could see like the wizard court being a step even above the supreme court, where it's not not that like they get the final say, but more it's like that's the number of levels you have to go through before you actually have them consider whether or not to to intervene magic. Like, is this constitutional? Is this something that we want? Okay, now the wizard court gets to decide. Exactly, yeah. But you have to go through, like, muggle, half everything. Which is in wizards, and yeah, they yeah. decide whether it's constitutional on that moral and humane level. Exactly. So that's a topic for another day. <laughs> if you want us to talk about that in a special episode, you should totally tweet at us. Yeah, let, let us, us know. Because we would totally do that. Because I could talk about that for a long time. That would be fascinating. The, the wider implications of magic. Yeah. So uh, I want to talk a little bit about green gods. Yes, me too. So great. <laughs> they, they, <laughs> they go to green gods and Ron's family goes and Harry is there. And the Weasleys are so poor. It's so... That is the most vulnerable thing I think that she has ever that she has written to the to date is yeah. Harry riding with the Weasleys in the train car down and they both the the Weasley family and Harry they see in each other's vaults. They should have been on separate carts. Yeah, man. like that is so <laughs> that uncomfortable. Is so oh, so uncomfortable. And like I completely understand why the Weasleys would want to like chaperone him and make sure he's okay make sure he doesn't fall out make sure the goblin doesn't try anything funny they're kind of a weird species and all that but like all of the weasleys all the weasleys yeah yeah all that can fit even percy even fred and george i think all of them Hmm. and like that's so uncomfortable that's the equivalent of like hey to like taking your best friend's family with you to like look at each other's life savings at the yeah, bank. Yeah. Just in big, you know, <laughs> cash piles. It's so, yeah, it's so uncomfortable. And she like checked the corners. Oh, heartbreaking. And then Harry tried to like hide what was going on in there. Not because, you know, he doesn't want them to know, but like. Doesn't want to gloat. Doesn't want to gloat. And like, what can he do? You know, what. What can he really do? And maybe sometime in the book series, Harry is just going to be like, here, have this little stack. Don't worry about it. Uh, for now, we see like kind of the, the conclusion of that is Harry dumping off his books to Ginny. Mm-hmm. Because Lockhart at Flourish and Blots decides to 
capitalize on Harry's existence and mm-hmm. then give him a free set of his books. All the books, which is got to be a lot. I mean, if he's if he's just going, you know, a week with the werewolf, a year with the yeti and stuff, he's got to have twenty at least of those. Yeah, I don't I don't know that he has that many books, but I'm I'm sitting there thinking, okay, even just buying seven books, even mm-hmm. if they're just novels or something that you would go to a proper a regular bookstore mm-hmm. and buy still over a hundred dollars that's more than a hundred bucks yeah. and then you multiply that by five for each weasley that's a lot of money for just school books <sighs> that's just like the normal run-of-the-mill kind of book but are these like textbooks oh in yeah which case it's like 70 bucks a pop yeah yeah at least times five so like so. i'm i'm betting it's somewhere in between i don't think it's full-fledged like dense calculus book style or yeah. history book but I, I think it's somewhere in between in the like maybe 40 40 bucks pop range and i think the weasleys would pretty much have to choose like we're getting two sets or maybe we're just getting one set one set and you're all gonna have to figure out how to share it because there's no way well it looked like they can afford that it looked like they had a used section and if he has that many books some of them have probably been out for a while okay that's fair. so i think that there are probably some used ones and he's so popular and all that that there are probably a bunch of people who wanted bright new brand new shiny books and yeah. wanted him to sign it and get their own photo and whatever what about this guy so charming anyway i think uh i don't i i think we'll get into it but um i guess let, let me get let me get your suggestion and then i i think i can spoil it but why do you think why do why you do think I they think dig him so charming why do they dig him why do they dig him he's got that confidence that bad boy attitude those big teeth and blonde hair slicked back just right uh it's wavy it's wavy, wavy hair wavy hair i don't know charm spells no uh it doesn't work like that I I think that a lot of people with that much knowledge can get a little bit um, nerdy, I guess. And that's fine. That's great. We obviously embrace nerds of all kinds. But for someone to have this kind of knowledge and these kind of, you know, daring adventures a year with the Yeti and stuff like that, and to be, like, good-looking and charming and talented and stuff on top of it, like, it's like if Bear Grylls wrote college textbooks. Is Bear Grylls attractive? I never really... Uh... I don't know. I never really got into Bear Grylls. I but, know. like, I, I think that's a similar thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's like the Steve Irwin charm, almost, where it's like, yeah. not only does this guy know what he's talking about, but he is brave. And it's kind of dangerous stuff, too. So it's like he's he's doing all this stuff, but he can write about it, and he's just kind of someone you want to hang out with. And, yeah. So yeah, I... Steve Irwin is who I'd compare him to. That was He was who kind of popped in my head when I was picturing him um and actually when i was like the picture that i still have in my head from Mm -hmm. when i first read this when i was 12 um i he kind of has a steve irwin-y kind of look to him Hmm. which is sort of really subconscious because i (laughs) was not like a crocodile hunter fan or whatever but yeah i i think the situation is he he knows how to tell a story well yeah And, and not only is he pretty and he's charismatic but he, it's, he tells a story really well. You know, they say the best stories always happen to the people who tell the best stories. <laughs> Funny how that works. It's, it's, so start telling great stories about yourself. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. <laughs> like, Tell them about embellishments. Fake it till you make it. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, 
What kind of a teacher do you think he's going to be? <sighs> probably not that good. He's probably just going to want to tell all the stories about his adventures and what he did, and it's going to be really distracting. He's going to kind of talk himself up. I I don't know, because I feel like as much as he lauded over Harry Potter and tried to make it all about that he was there with Harry Potter, I feel like there's going to be a bit of competition there in that... Um, Harry defeated the Dark Lord twice, and no matter what Gilderoy Lockhart does, he definitely didn't defeat the Dark Lord twice. And he probably wants to kind of figure out, like, what did you do? No, seriously, what did you do? And, like, it might get awkward between the two, because he's going to be like, look, I want to know how to defeat the Dark Lord, too, because I want to be, you know, dark arts defense teacher, so you need to tell me what you did right now, or we're going to have a problem. Mm. And Harry's going to be like, uh... Uh, well, first I was a baby. First I was a baby. I was petrified. Um, <laughs> I kept hoping that my parents would be there by my side, but then I spent so many nights thinking how they're dead. <sighs> I, now I'm back from the Dursleys. Now I'm back from the Dursleys. <laughs> that really went off the rails. Uh, so I think there's going to be like a certain level of competitiveness between this guy. I think he's going to start asking way too many questions about stuff. I, I think he's just going to get his nose in the wrong kind of business. And I don't know why. I mean, there's no signs that point to him being associated with Voldemort yet. Um, but he very well could be the person that Dobby was warning about. Yeah, he could be a problem. But maybe he's just going to be this loopy professor that just always tells stories about himself. I don't know. I don't know. I will say that uh, professors who tell stories about themselves aren't necessarily bad teachers. No. That, that's what a lot of journalism school is, is professors being like, okay, guys, here's this time I really screwed up. Yeah. Don't do that thing. And then you're like, that was a really harrowing tale, and I'm not going to do that thing. I, I just don't see him being the, the person who messed up in any of his stories. Mm. I think he would always be the savior in the story. But he could tell the story of this other guy messed up this way, harrowing <laughs> tale, here's how I saved him. Yeah, and you're like, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Like, that's true. So, I mean, he clearly has the knowledge. I mean, if, if he really is the name that, like, if you want to know how to do something, you you grab his book, and that's just, like, the go-to. You, you go to his book, he clearly knows what he's talking about. He's not a sham. He's not just really good at this. I don't think he has ghostwriters. Though <laughs> that's way easier with Harry Potter, right? <laughs> they could be real ghosts. They could be real ghosts. <laughs> if they can hold a pen. Uh, dictate. Yeah, there we go. Uh, so he clearly knows his stuff. He has the capability of being a very good professor, and maybe he will be. But I, I think the signs are pointing to him being a problem. Just, you know, also he's just too glossed over. He's just too much of a jerk, though not actively being a jerk, more just like, you know, using Harry. So Yeah, the, the way that he spies Harry and then calls attention to Harry when Harry doesn't want attention called to him mm. is really a frustrating scene. Just because, like, it, it was frustrating, like, it made me feel socially anxious just reading oh, it. Of, yeah. like, let me call this 12-year-old kid and then not ask him what he's doing here, not, not talk to him about anything at all, and just proclaim to the world that Harry Potter is here to buy all my books, including... Not only did Harry Potter walk into this store looking for magical me, my brand new autobiography. <laughs> which he wasn't. With, which he, he absolutely was not. Yeah, he was there nope. for school books. But not only, he came in just looking for this. But today, 
I'm going to give him a full free, <laughs> free, free copy yeah. of all my books. It's all you, buddy. Like, and it's just, just so grandiose and frustrating. And yeah, it's, I'll be interested to see what you think of his teaching. He's going to be a problem. <sighs> um, and then so afterwards, Malfoy appears again and kind of tries to razz Harry for being a uh, a att- attention hog a little bit. Oh, this is great. And then... <laughs> And, and and so first Ginny yeah. comes up and uh-huh. and she actually finally says words mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and she says he didn't want any of that and she kind of shows some like some of that like Gryffindorness in her probably yeah like, like yeah, the, totally. the, she's been surrounded by brothers who tease each other and she's probably had to stand up for herself and so you see a little bit of that like hey now no yeah <laughs> little <exactly>. sister sass <laughs> and that was after like i mean she could have just been like sitting down looking over all the books that she just got and been super happy about that but no she was fully in the moment she was fully there she's like Mm-mm, you don't you don't get to pick on mm-hmm. him when he was just like victimized by a public figure yeah no and then they kind of get in a quasi tussle and then Mr. Malfoy and Mr. Weasley show up, and it's like, did, did you ever? You've probably never seen this movie because you don't see movies. There was this really bad chick flick that was mm. called um, "You Again," that was <laughs> that had Betty White and I think Mandy Moore, and I'm t- I'm probably totally wrong on this, but there were like two like older women uh-huh. and two like mid twenties, and they're like high school nemeses, and then they like end up marrying into each other's families or something and then they realize that their grandmas were the same people and they were like high school nemeses and it's just like chaos and that's what it felt like of like okay here are these two people who are kind of having a petty childish fight yeah but no like the older but they were the ones also really and it comes to fisticuffs yeah fisticuffs (laughs) Wizard fisticuffs. I, no, not even wizard fisticuffs. Like, yeah, just, it's a fist yeah. fight. I was like, why didn't it turn into a duel? Arthur wouldn't have. Maybe he wouldn't have, but Malfoy would have. Malfoy only would have. He wouldn't have exchanged blows. But I'm he sure did. He, he, like... Defensively. Weasley, like, attacked him. And rather than, like, reach for the wand reflexively block. Like, you'd think yeah, that would be yeah. first nature for him. And it was just sort of an interesting, like, like these two are so angry with each other that they, like, forget this higher learning that they have yeah. and are reduced to, it like... real chest-beating. Brutality. Real yeah, totally. I was not expecting that at all. <laughs> it was funny. I, I think that they could probably both get in trouble for it. I mean, he, he represents, Arthur represents the ministry of magic and to just be exchanging blows with someone that like is already kind of in a weird place with the ministry. Like now they might even have to give him, uh, sorry, uh, Draco's dad. I'm not going to remember his name. Lucius. What? Lucius. Lucius. Now they might have to back off on him even more because otherwise he could just be like, Hey, remember that time one of your guys punched me? Yeah, yeah. Maybe you could ignore a few things because one of your guys punched me. Remember that? Remember that lawsuit that I didn't file? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, it's like that's weird because I, I, I bet I still know a few witnesses. <laughs> like, like <laughs> I, 
I think all that took was my signature, but for it to act, hmm. Exactly. <laughs> like, so it's like, that's putting a lot on the line. And, and for Arthur to attack him, he really pushed his buttons. But he was, like, super dug in and, like, got on about the money and everything. He was, and, it's, it's really low class. It's low class kind of fight. So we're, we're just going to be incredibly snobbish over your lack of money because. Yeah, yeah. You didn't you because you had babies like i don't even know like yeah i don't even know i don't either it sounds like the money is probably even older than lucius like that's not like he earned all that money either he may oh, have yeah. been wise with him he had old it. money yeah it's old money so it's not like he you know silver spoon <laughs> so i thought it was interesting though that uh, after all of that we see hagrid again mm-hmm. and hagrid uh has this this offhanded line that's that's that Malfoy family like they're not worth it and then he says bad blood that's what it is and I was just like ah there's a problem with that though there's a problem with you saying bad like like you have I guess now that I'm reading it it could be like there's bad blood between them yeah yeah but I understood it the first time as like they're a bad type yeah um which I mean which which is the same sort of narrative as like muggles bad bad blood like that's the the part that um, yeah that the Malfoys the narrative that they're always spewing is you're just not the right person you're not the right kind of person you're not made of the right stuff and Hagrid turns it around on them and I'm just like that's still problematic I think Hagrid would though he would but it's still pro- it's still problematic you can't hmm. you can't turn around you can't use the other person's prejudice as a mirror. Okay. Like you can't yeah, like that's yeah. not gonna solve the problem. No, absolutely not. <laughs> like, yeah. It's just gonna create a deeper rift. And so I was just like, okay, well interesting. But now that I'm reading it, it could it could have been hmm. bad blood, like there's bad blood blood between them. I was surprised all the money that the Malfoys have and all this stuff. I'm surprised I know this is a little bit off topic, but Draco doesn't have a Nimbus two thousand. Why would he need it? Because um, he wants it. And so, his family's rich and he gets what he wants. Well, he could have a Nimbus 2000. Did he say he didn't have it? I thought he said that, like, Harry got his Nimbus 2000 and it sounded like a jealousy thing. It's so, I think it was the manner in which he got it. Because first years aren't allowed to have brooms. Mm-hmm. But Harry was the only first year with a broom. Okay. And Harry got it and then got to publicly use it as a first year. And it was given to him, who knows, by who. Yeah, yeah. McGonagall. Somebody who let him keep using it. Yeah. So, so like, it, it was it was more of the privilege that he got to use it, but Malfoy didn't. And mm. Malfoy's probably not used to. Yeah, that's true. Not used to having the best and the special treatment. Yeah. And, well, and, and he's not used to, like, yeah, maybe he has the best, but he was told he couldn't bring it to school. Yeah, yeah. He's like I like in this rare instance Malfoy played by the rules <laughs> like and was punished for it. And well and someone else was rewarded for not. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So he may very well have a Nimbus 2000. Oh, when are we going to see the Nimbus 2001, the Nimbus 3000? I'm still waiting for that. I I don't maybe it'll happen in this book but there's a lot more books they do you can't think it'll keep... be nimbus or do you think it'll be something else oh it's nimbus it's got if you be. could name a broom what would you name it probably nimbus that's a really good name <laughs> uh it... i don't know <laughs> yeah nimbus is great though i mean that's uh 
the Monkey King flies around on a Nimbus. Uh, Dragon Ball Z, he flies around on a Nimbus. <laughs> it's an actual cloud, but uh, I don't know. Nimbus is a good tradition of, of good things to fly around on. <sighs> I don't know. I'm not ready for that. I think I'd like a Stratus. A Stratus? It's just uh, similar to like guitar names. Well, Stratus is another kind of cloud. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Hmm. And then it's like Stratosphere, and it's up there. Whoa. I just came up with that. I'm like, <laughs> I asked you, and then I went, crap, I got nothing. So if he turns it around on me, I'm screwed. Hmm. Anyway, so um, they they head back home, and Mr. Weasley is like smitten with the with the muggles who are who do nothing they do they do nothing desperately want to see them interact with this world i'm very Uh, sad that they are not described that they are not they have no words why did she do that i think to answer the question of how did hermione get there (laughs) really i think so Okay, ima- imagine a 12-year-old kid in, uh-huh. in Diagon Alley when all everyone else is chaperoned. Okay. She's not chaperoned. And you need to do magic to get there, which that's... I'm not sure how she got there. She's not allowed uh, to do magic. I'm sure the ministry is a little bit selective. And... Yeah, I think it's just... It, it's like a child welfare thing. Like, the, the minute you point out, like, child by herself in the middle of a very busy London street... Where's the adults? Yeah. Okay. So. And then I think also to answer a question of like, do what happens? What happens with muggle children? Are yeah, their parents yeah. allowed? Do they go with them? Do they have some like, Apparently. I think, I, I think it does a really quiet affirmation of, of it, it quietly answers some questions that you have without even realizing, hmm. but it also asks a lot raises a lot yeah, more questions yeah. like i wonder if there's a bunch of stuff that they just can't see because you know muggles don't really see a bunch of magic stuff but if her parents are game and they're okay with the magic realm and they're comfortable enough with that maybe they do see stuff i don't know like you said it answers some questions but it definitely raises some questions i wish i could have gotten to know them better as characters because given the way they're introduced i don't know if we'll ever see them again like i really don't like why would we usually they're they're such throwaway characters in this yeah in this chapter and jk rowling is usually so good at being like hey here's this person here's a very good glimpse at the type here's a toothless walnut yeah (laughs) like the bartender where's my toothless walnut (laughs) (sighs) where's this mother that's so angry she looks like a saber-toothed tiger you know yeah yeah none of that they're just in the background and they kind of answer arthur's they could look like two otters holding hands in a river (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm really digging the audience yeah. tonight. I'm sorry. It's, it keeps coming back to Ottery St. Patch Catchpool. I've had to edit out so many otter references. <laughs> I'll keep that one though. I like that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so that gets us pretty close to the end. Yeah. Um, what What was your favorite quote this chapter? Hmm. 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 This is why I write this down. It's on page 44. I know that. This quote comes from a little moment um, that I I really liked uh, Ginny's shyness a lot. And, and it's so cute. And she's so young and she's just so shy around Harry Potter because he's just, he's Harry Potter, you know? And she looks up to him and all this. So we see this moment where 
um, <laughs> Harry asks Ginny a question. And he says, oh, are you starting at Hogwarts this year? Harry asked Ginny. She nodded, blushing to the roots of her flaming hair, and put her elbow in the butter dish. And then Harry sees it, but he pretends he doesn't. But, like, what a human moment of awkwardness, of being so flustered or whatever, that you're just your body just does something without even thinking, and you're, all of a sudden your elbow is just in the butter dish. <laughs> there's no easy you can't clean that easily you can't clean that subtly you just kind of like casually wipe your elbow you down did, with yeah, the napkin. you just lift your elbow out and you've got your block of butter with it and yeah i loved that line too i got to it and i was like oh man that's I've so good done that like it, it's like i i have a tendency to like break glasses when i'm awkward <laughs> Wow. <laughs> it's like it's like my limbs are suddenly longer than I realized they were yeah, and now yeah. things are broken and that's the same feeling of like mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. totally and you're like I, I'm not drunk or anything there's I'm no just... way to gracefully get out of this situation <laughs> yeah so it's like elbow in the butter dish how you can't so Harry handled it very gracefully, which is good because these two have a future. So it's good that... Um, do you? Do you think so? I I think they have a future. Do you ship it? I ship it because I'm pretty sure. <laughs> <laughs> but also I ship it. It's cute. Okay. Harry and Ginny mm-hmm. versus McGonagall and Hagrid. Oh, Which boy. ship wins? Which ship wins? <sighs> I think Harry and Ginny is so much more viable. But which do you love? Which do you love? Uh, Hagrid and McGonagall. Okay, I'm for like, sure. Absolutely. It's like, I, don't, I don't care about realistic ships. I care about where's your heart, Clark? Yeah, my heart is definitely <laughs> Hagrid and McGonagall. That is it. That is an awesome ship. So what's your favorite ship um, quote from this chapter? My favorite quote from this chapter is on the very first page of the chapter, 42. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just a description of the burrow. And it's, um, the ghoul in the attic howled and dropped (laughs) pipes whenever he felt things were getting too quiet and small explosions from friend George's bedroom were considered perfectly normal. When Harry found, what Harry found most unusual about life at Ron's, however, wasn't the talking mirror or the clanking ghoul. It was the fact that everybody there seemed to like him. Aww. I'm just like, aww. Like, I, I love the, like... I, I love the chaos and I love Fred and George blow they blow stuff up yeah all day long yeah just and constantly. no one's concerned and they do it without magic apparently apparently like the, they're smart kids yeah or maybe really stupid I'm not like they're like smart and reckless and yeah they're on some lists or they're going to be and and I love all that and then the, the sentiment at the end is just so cute and so like aw Harry you are a worthwhile person and there are people in the world who love you and don't let the Dursleys get you down yeah even though this has been the worst summer and with the worst birthday uh. <laughs> <laughs> but it's better now and I, I guess I will say I was very wrong about Harry going to Ron's house I didn't think it was gonna happen for like a long time I was like oh I can't wait I yeah. can't wait to see Lo and behold, next chapter ugh I should have read the chapter titles beforehand. The Burrow? You wouldn't have known. That's true. Mm. Mm. Either way, I was definitely wrong about that. Uh, so, we'll see. Uh, what's the next chapter? 
Uh, the next chapter is chapter five called The Whomping Willow. Mm-hmm. And we'll also do chapter six, which I won't tell you what the chapter title is in case it spoils anything. <laughs> but uh, wait, where do you think we go next? What do you think? Oh, Hogwarts for sure. Yeah? It's the next logical step. The willow is the tree that beats up the car. I know that. They get it stuck in the tree. I don't think that actually... Thank you, Zeitgeist. Gosh. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I can't I can't act surprised. It's uh, that's what happens. The tree beats up the car, which, like, who keeps those trees around? Whose idea is that? That is a liability. But I don't know. Maybe it's a... Uh, maybe they just really don't like eagles, and it just beats up all the eagles. Hmm. Hmm. Who knows? So, Interesting. a lot to look forward to. These chapters are getting dense, which means we're going to have to... <sighs> I don't know what we're going to have to do, but we're going to love it, and it's going to be so much fun. Because <laughs> it's season two of Wordstock, baby. Woo! <laughs> so, if again, if you want to reach out to us, tweet us at Pod. We also have a Facebook. I am on Twitter at Clark Hodges. I'm at Alyssa Small, and uh, you can also tweet at our network, Secret Weapon Produ- Productions, which is at Weaponize Me. Woo. Um, and if you uh, want to send us anything longer than a tweet, you can email us at wordstruckpodcast at mm-hmm. gmail.com. Um, please do take a moment to review us on iTunes if you haven't done it yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'll help more people find us and if you don't want to take the time to write a uh, uh, anything about us, like I totally understand, you could totally just tell us what you're reading. Yeah. Or yeah. Um, what tell us a story. What ship you prefer. Uh, <laughs> yep. Yep. Haggard McGonagall or uh, Harry Ginny. Or you could share your best uh, elbow and butter dish moment. We would yeah. love to hear any and all of those. Just, so. just do it on iTunes with the star rating attached to it. <laughs> And we would super appreciate that. Or if you want to give us any feedback, we'd really appreciate it. So thank you guys so much for taking the time to listen to us. Thank you. Bye. (laughs)